You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I write about the Chicago Bears for NBC Sports Chicago and Bears Wire. I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. We've got a special treat for you today, and not only today. I'll be joined by Matt Waldman, who's author of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio and a writer for Football Guys. He's one of my favorite analysts in the draft community, a guy who does this for a living full time, and I really trust his opinion as much as anyone else in the scouting community. And I sat down and did a little interview with Matt. I was originally planning to just go 15 or 20 minutes, and we ended up talking for an hour, and that's far too long to squeeze into and cut down into one episode of Locked On Bears. So we're going to spread it out over the next three podcasts, bring it to you in three different parts, starting today. The first section here, Matt and I are talking about the running back position, particularly David Montgomery and this idea of him as a pass-catching weapon out of the backfield. And we kind of explore this idea about how maybe receiving ability at the running back position, when it comes to somebody like David Montgomery and the things Matt Nagy has said, isn't quite as much as it's cracked up to be. Real quick before we bring Matt on, I just need to plug his rookie scouting portfolio. It's the big draft guide document he works on year-round. The 2019 edition is 1,081 pages full of game film analysis, player profiles, scouting reports, and it's just an overall prospectus of rookies at the offensive skill positions in particular. Matt Waldman only focuses on quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, but he goes deeper on those four positions than anybody in the draft community, in the draft Twitter, and likely even deeper than people in the NFL themselves. I know NFL people purchase and read his draft guide. That's not just something he says. That's something he has to back up and has a track record of great analysis at these positions. So I thought, what better way than to bring him on to talk about the running backs and wide receivers the Bears brought in and even an undrafted tight end in this draft class. So today we're going to talk running backs. On tomorrow's podcast, we'll get a little bit more of the wide receiver discussion, and then we'll wrap up on day three of our interview with some of the undrafted free agents, looking at guys like Emmanuel Hall and Dax Raymond, and kind of seeing what their skill sets could provide sometime down the line. If you're interested in seeing more from Matt Waldman, well, you'll have two more podcasts to hear from him as well, but you can check out his work at mattwaldmanrsp.com. You can buy the Rookie Scouting Portfolio on mattwaldman.com. 10% of the proceeds go to a charity that fights against child sexual abuse as well, so it is a great cause. It is an incredible document, and if you just want to learn more about the sport of football, that is the thing to buy, and his video work, his articles are just phenomenal, and I cannot speak highly enough of Matt Waldman. And I think once you hear all three days of these interviews, if you haven't heard Matt Waldman before, you'll know exactly why I can't say enough good things about him after hearing him on the podcast. So like I said, we start today with running backs. All right, so I wanted to start with a little bit more of a a philosophical 
standpoint of evaluating the running back position, particularly, I think, when it comes to receiving ability out of the backfield, because this is something I've been kind of working on and and toying with and maybe struggling with a little bit recently, uh, this idea of running backs as route runners and how we talk about running backs who are good receivers out of the backfield. Because when I look at a guy like David Montgomery, for example, particularly in 2018 at Iowa State, he was much more of just a check down option. You weren't seeing the vertical routes. You weren't seeing very complicated routes. And as a result, it makes it difficult to evaluate, okay, just how good of a route runner is he and how much does that route running matter? I mean, obviously he's got to be able to catch the ball and and hands are an important part of it. And being able to make plays after the catch is an important part of, of being a good receiver. But you know, when you look at, at running backs in general and, and David Montgomery, I mean, how much weight do you put into route running and being able to separate when guys are going to be going up against, you know, linebackers and safeties that might not always even be the best in coverage. I mean, where's your sort of standpoint on how you play that into your evaluation? Well, you know, every football podcaster's least favorite answer is it depends on the team and how they evaluate and what they do. Um, but, you know, there's some truth to that. And and the, the thing is, is that a lot of routes that running backs are featured on for most teams in the NFL are our teams are, are, are basically routes against zone where they're kind of a check down against zone. And it's about getting open in and finding the correct space in zone to be able to set up and catch the ball. And yeah, there are going to be times where they get one-on-one against a, a linebacker and maybe even occasionally a safety, but most teams in the NFL tend when they match them up in the vertical game or the intermediate game, it's usually there's an element of misdirection or an element of surprise to where it's just about running a straight line down the field. You think about Kareem Hunt in in the offense that you know your current coach uses for the Chicago Bears. And and a lot of what Kareem Hunt's routes were featured were were plays where, you know, Tyreek Hill's working across the formation and you fake the you know, you maybe you fake the ball with a, a zone read to um, Hunt. He wheels up the uh, the seam and runs the seam against a safety or a linebacker who has to freeze because there's Hill working across the formation behind Hunt, and they fake the ball to him too. Um, and then so he's got to account for that flat or for the outside flat area, and then Hunt's running by him, and it's just a matter of spill, speed and ball tracking. So for me, you know, personally, when I look at when I look at um, running backs, I don't put a lot into routes at this point. I generally put it into I, I look at things such as do they understand, you know, where the openings and zones are and fitting that. Are they good at being able to track the football in a variety of um, places in terms of high and low over their shoulder? Um you know, can they handle contact? Can they make difficult adjustments to targets that are outside of their, their, um, their, you know, what I would say is their in stride catch radius. Um, and if they, if they can do that, that those are all positives. It is, but it is an added benefit. And usually for players who I would say separate between, you know, starting level players in this skill set 
and then you know guys who could potentially be stars then i look at route running from the standpoint of you know are they are they able to beat defenders one on one on routes that are receiver like routes and and to me receiver like routes are not like angle routes or what they call texas routes that kind of you know work outside at you know maybe a 45 degree angle and then break an 45 degrees to the inside um or you know a, a route that's kind of more of a just a shallow route or a screen pass or or even straight line routes even back shoulder fades i'm not even finding all that impressive because everybody catches back shoulder fades at this point but i'm looking for routes like deep outs and comeback routes and you know strong hitches and being able to work off the line of scrimmage in a way that a receiver would and you don't normally see running backs in those situations even now um but to me that's kind of the separator because most backs that i see even in workouts you know in different types of all-star game practices and things like that you see a lot of guys who, who do a fine job of being able to run routes that drag across you know from the middle of the field to the flat against a linebacker and win because a lot of these routes are just designed to give a little bit of a move and a hesitation against a linebacker playing behind, you know you know in the box but behind the line of scrimmage and if you can put a little bit of move to make him freeze for the moment or take a false step you're open you know and so it's it's not something that i place a ton of weight on at this point and you know to me it's about noting it and noting what type of routes he has run and can run from what i've seen thus far and the match with the demands of that specific offense because even Tarek Cohen you look at Tarek Cohen's route running and he was used a lot in you know on angle routes he was used on some corner routes and some seam routes and and then when he came to and then you could see him occasionally you know at, at North Carolina A&T run some deeper routes like post routes and things like that but he's usually facing off coverage he wasn't facing a lot of tight man um and even when John Fox, I have to, I would argue that John Fox's coaching staff used a more diverse route tree with Tarek Cohen um, at certain points of the year than what we saw with last year's coaching staff, which is odd to say because we think of John Fox being so conservative and and kind of a fuddy duddy with, um, you know, with a passing offense. But you know, his staff did a little bit more with Tarek Cohen. You know, at certain points of the year, especially against the Falcons, and then you saw later on in the year in some ways that paralleled what Tyreek Hill did. And while, you know, Cohen obviously took a step forward in terms of production and there was a variety of usages for him, um, it was, you know, in the passing game still far and, you know, far and away, most of the routes you'd see him run were more outlet check down types of plays where maybe he had a one-on-one, but it was going to be against an off-coverage man player or against zone. Yeah, we know just how dynamic of a weapon a guy like Tariq Cohen can be, you know, so valuable to this Bears offense. And those types of dynamic do-it-all game changers can be really valuable to any type of business. That's what our friends at ZipRecruiter help you find when you post your job. ZipRecruiter sends your opening to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and then their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience, and then invites them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. 
ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Well, we're talking NFL draft and running backs here with Matt Waldman, author of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. And Matt, when I try and plug David Montgomery in this role, you know, I, I look back even over the last two years at Iowa State and the number of targets he has where, you know, he's running more than five yards downfield. You can count it on one or two hands. You know, he's not, he was just not asked to do those types of routes as often as, as you might want to see as, as you're projecting into a, a Kareem Hunt type role to be able to do some of those things you talked about Cohen being able to do. So, you know, like I, I wonder when I compare to like, say Jordan Howard, you know, the way he was used, I think it's a similar sort of usage from Iowa state to, to how Jordan Howard was used in the bears offense last year, you know, not really being asked to do much of those downfield situations. So, you know, at that point, does the difference between a guy like Montgomery and a guy like Howard come from, you know, obviously catch radius and, and being able to make some more difficult catches in that way. And then just purely physical tools at that point. I mean, that that's sort of what's giving me, I don't know if cognitive dissonance is the right word, but that's where I, I'm left feeling a little bit like, okay, well just how, you know, how, how is a guy like David Montgomery that much more, projectable as a receiver, whereas I felt like Jordan Howard didn't necessarily have the opportunities and was not asked to to do the types of things that seemingly David Montgomery will be asked to do, despite both of them seemingly having similar roles. I mean, where was was sort of your evaluation on Jordan Howard in that sense? Well, let me ask you a question first. Are you hearing from local Bears media and interviews with, um, you know, with the coaching staff that they project to use him more as a receiver than they did with Jordan Howard. Well, that seems to, that's the expectation. And I know at rookie minicamp, there was some discussion of Montgomery making some nice plays as a receiver out of the backfield. And that's sort of what they've talked about in post draft interviews and stuff that, Hey, you know, we wanted a, a more well-rounded running back and someone who can be more of a receiving threat. And, and that's why it, it doesn't quite add up for me. Yeah. I think probably, it's going to be interesting of what sometimes is said and then what actually ends up happening because, you know, you look at Jordan Howard and he was fine on screen passes and some outlet passes. I guess maybe earlier in his career he dropped the ball some and maybe he wasn't highly experienced. So maybe what they saw on tape a little bit more with Montgomery is his ability to get to the spot that he needed to get to a little bit quicker, to be able to set up screens maybe a little more, maybe to be able to catch the ball and fluidly turn downfield a little bit easier. Um, that might be some of it. I know that, you know, when you compare Howard and Montgomery as runners, once the ball's in their hand, that, you know, Montgomery is a, is a more agile player. He's a more sudden player in terms of short area quickness. He's someone that can be more creative, um, without having to do so after contact though. He's also even creative after contact in ways where you can combine his agility and mobility in ways that maybe Howard can't, but you know, Howard was a tough SOB who played hurt, who was powerful, who was smart, had good footwork. 
he's a really good back. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Howard ends up beating out Miles Sanders this year and putting Miles Sanders, you know, in a very, you know, in a much lesser role than a lot of people are expecting. Um, just because he's such a good pass protector because he can catch more than people have realized. And he's also a, a player that demonstrates good judgment. And I think that for, you know, for Montgomery, you look at his game and I just don't, you know, most teams talk about the receiving element, but I kind of call BS on that a little bit because for the most part, unless they use the receiver specifically on intermediate and vertical routes in the way that maybe Tarek Cohen is going to be used at, at times, then you, and it doesn't even happen all that often, then it's kind of a, it seems like a nice thing to say that lip service is given to, but it's almost like another one of those cliches of we need to get this player the ball more and figure out how to do it, and then they never do it. Um, so I, I I look at this, and I think that with Montgomery, he might be a little bit better because he can make the first man miss you know, more than what Howard can do. And he's a little bit more creative and maybe a little bit more agile in terms of how he transitions up field. But I, I would say other than that, and maybe some marginal skill at being able to catch the ball with consistency, you aren't probably going to see a great deal of difference, especially for the fact that he's not a fast guy. I mean, he's quick. He has good acceleration. He has change of direction quickness and is better than what Howard had. But, you know, he's not going to beat linebackers in a race 30, 40 yards down the field, or at least not weak side linebackers. He's not. Um, and so he's going to need to get matched up against a strong side linebacker to probably win something, you know, 15, 20, 25 yards down the field. And are you really going to target him in that way? Because then it comes down to this. We know that the Bears are closer to one of the exceptional systems in the, in the NFL in terms of different systems. But most, most teams don't use their running backs downfield. And so most of the plays that we see, and there's very little difference in plays from one team to the next. The NFL is, even though it's getting better, is some of the most unoriginal um, in terms of scheme and routes and different things that they do in terms of if you compare it to the college game. So, you know, because there's such marginal differences between the two, you just, until teams change their systems, you're not going to see that crazy, that big amount of route running. I remember, you know, if you remember the running back Shane Vereen, who was drafted in the second round by the Patriots a number of years ago, who ended up playing for the Giants, he was an excellent receiver down the field. And he was good at back shoulder fades. And they used him in that um, capacity at Cal. And they were able to work him on wheel routes and seam routes and a lot of things that we're seeing nowadays for guys like Hunt, you know, a couple years ago. And even for Cohen, but uh, when he came to the Patriots, they tried that. But it, it's a more difficult thing to do when because they get when you get matched up against a safety in the college game, most of those safeties are a little overwhelmed or linebackers a little overwhelmed. When you get matched up against a safety in the NFL, listen, those guys those guys are a mismatch most of the time for a running back, and so especially a short running back who's gonna you know have to try and go up and win the ball. So, and they tried that a number of times. It didn't work and they gave up on it in, in New England. So I, I don't see, my, I agree with you. I don't think, I think what's being said is lip service until they can prove that they're going to be more dynamic with them. And I just have real doubts about that. I just think they, they got rid of Howard. They wanted someone a little bit more creative. 
they're going to see if that works out, you know, with him because really the best receiver of the big backs is Mike Davis uh, on that team. Mike Davis is a heck of a receiver in terms of his ability to, you know, set up some of those those option routes out of the backfield to be able to, and that may be part of it too, is the type of, you know, there's a lot of different types of options that, that runners have in, in terms of option routes out of the backfield, in terms of where they should break, how they read the coverage, and and being on the same page with the quarterback. And I haven't studied it in depth, but that might be part of the issue maybe for a guy like Howard, maybe didn't run option routes as well as maybe a guy like uh, Montgomery did and showed the ca- capability of doing. But I know that if he can't, Mike Davis will. And and Mike Davis is an underrated player who, who, who even in his days at South Carolina, was a, a really strong receiver and pass protector. So if if Montgomery doesn't get it done this year, Mike Davis will, and and so it's a the Bears are actually in a pretty nice situation with their running back depth chart. Yeah, the Bears added to that running back depth chart twice in the 2019 NFL Draft. So up next on the podcast, we'll touch on a little bit of Kareth White and see how he could fit in this mix with Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, and Mike Davis. Keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. I was going back through your your rookie scouting portfolio, and and I, I noticed you know you obviously had Kareth White with a lower depth of talent score than the likes of his teammate Devin Singletary. But I think the one of the first lines of your your write up on Kareth White, you mentioned that his physical his physical skills make him a better NFL fit than Devin Singletary. For you, is that more about Singletary being kind of a strange evaluation, or are there particular things about White that? stood out to you as as being a, a natural transition to the pros? Both, actually. And I think it's that for the reason that Kareth White is a better prospect is that I think that Kareth White has more upside to develop uh, um, and build on his skills. You know, you can't teach speed. You can't teach um, – you can only teach so much with footwork and quickness. You can get quicker. You can get a little faster. But there there's kind of – um, ceilings for that. And Devin White is, you know, Frank, excuse me, Devin Singletary is frankly slow. He's short. He's light. He's not very quick footed <laughs> and he doesn't have great acceleration, but he has fantastic vision and he under, and vision is such a singular sounding term, but that really comes down to fantastic peripheral vision, fantastic decision-making really good skill with understanding how to pace himself and anticipate um, penetration and defenders shooting through gaps. He knows how to time his cuts. He understands how to, you know, look at a, understands how to run the, the blocking schemes to perfection and really press creases and know how to time his cutbacks. So he's higher up than White was because I saw more of his, I saw more examples of his overall game where he really demonstrated a, a wide range of skills with decision making and also using his, you know, using a wider variety of running back skills. But his ceiling's lower because for him to have a strong career, he's going to have to improve, improve that his speed and quickness, his lack of th- those skills can be compensated for by great vision. And I'm just skeptical that he's at such an extreme in terms of, you know, lack of athletic ability that 
I'm skeptical that he's going to be able to make that difference up. Whereas I look at Kareth White and I see good vision, but I also see the speed and acceleration and the change of direction skill and where, you know, there were things that maybe I didn't see enough of to give him a positive grade. I needed more proof. They were, they were all teachable things. The things that he couldn't do or the things that I didn't see proof of him doing are teachable. There is something that he can learn or he can work on on his own and develop. And that gave him more upside as a result. And I'm not usually a, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, higher, you know, is better. I'm not one of those people. I, I think that when people start looking at combine percentiles, of, you know, well, he's in the 95th percentile of vertical leap and he's in the 67th percentile of broad jump. I think those things lend us to try and influence us to try and go bigger, faster, stronger is better. When in fact, you just need enough of those physical skills to do the job. And then it comes down to technical skills and a conceptual ability to take the physical and technical and put them together in productive ways. It's kind of like just because, just because, you, you know, little, you know, little Jerry and you're in first grade is now in the scored in the 98th percentile in terms of his vocabulary or his, or his ability to use his ABCs at a certain age doesn't mean that he's going to become a novelist. You know, it doesn't mean that he can, that he can write. It doesn't mean that he even speaks with art. You know, he's articulate in terms of how he, you know, forms sentences. And it's kind of like with running backs, it's the same thing. Just because, just because they have the athletic ability, those are the raw tools. And certainly if you're extremely, fast and you're in the highest percentile but you also have great technical skills and you have great conceptual ability to tie it all together then yeah you you're going to be a top prospect but that's not usually the case so you look at Kareth White and I think that he's a really nice fit because he's kind of a blend between David Montgomery and Tarek Cohen or a blend between Mike Davis and Tarek Cohen and the fact that he has that game breaking speed he can flip the field on you. You can use him on outside runs with confidence. He can catch the ball in the backfield. But he's got enough size that, you know, if he can really develop a little bit more, he should be able to do some nice work between the pack tackles and and give you an element of a player who maybe he's never going to be a short yardage back the way Montgomery can be. But he's a guy who might be able to give you lead back um, skills if he progresses and if needed to be called upon. You answered my next question, which was you know going to be about he comparing to Tariq Cohen, because I think people see smaller, fast, explosive running back and, and automatically say, okay, well, don't the Bears already have that in Tariq Cohen? But you, you more than answered that there. So that's where we're going to wrap up with Matt Waldman for today. Plenty of more draft analysis coming with our conversation tomorrow and Thursday on the Locked On Bears podcast. Make sure you subscribe to make sure you hear all of our interview as we go in-depth on Riley Ridley and uh, Emmanuel Hall, Dax Raymond, etc. in the coming episodes of the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Locked On Bears, on Instagram, Locked On Bears. You can like us on Facebook as well. And if you're enjoying this draft talk and, and this Bears analysis here in the offseason, do us a favor. Tell a fellow Bears fan about the podcast. You know, we know if you're listening and getting your Bears talk in May, you're a diehard. And if you know some other diehards that could use that Bears fix, we'd really appreciate it if you just tell one of them about it and, and help spread the word and, and help us reach a few more people. 
I'm working on pulling another guest interview here in the very near future that I might end up have, having interrupt our Matt Waldman conversation at some point in this three-day stretch. So don't be surprised if we sneak one in there in between this discussion. And of course, if there's any breaking Bears news that is worthy of a whole podcast, we can push back the rest of the Matt Waldman conversation another day. But I'll tell you what, talking NFL draft with Waldman himself, I mean, it's really, you learn a lot, and I think you can kind of leave the podcast feeling like you have a pretty good reason to bear down. Bear down.